It might help if I turn it on. There we go. Awesome. Hope you're having a great week. Um, the title of my message today is Pioneer Again. Pioneer Again. How many of you have seen our new website? A few people? Yes? Awesome. Well, if you haven't, you're about to because we're going to put it on the screen. And um, Tom Black did a great job of putting it together. Um, it's very sort of hipster and cool. Keep going down. And uh, as you go down, it's very, yeah, looks good. In fact, you should go home and have a look because you may even find a photo of you somewhere on there. There's lots of cool photos. So, um, yes, legends. So, oh, skip that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's go right down to the bottom. And there's a bit here. Oh, up one. There we go. Our history. Click on that. Awesome. So Tom's put together a uh, timeline of our church. And uh, I was looking at this the other day, and it was really cool because 31 years ago, this month, almost to the week, only a couple of weeks off, 31 years ago, Coroa Baptist was born. It was planted. And um, how many of you were actually here when the church was started? A few of you. Awesome. So good. And... Um, when, you, when it started, what was the feeling? What, what was the, the sense of what was going to happen? Any comments? No. Nope. Yeah, so there's this sense that God was orchestrating something. Yeah, I love it. Uh huh. Yep. So, did it feel like you there was like it was something special going on? Uh huh. Uh huh. Cool. Okay. Anyone else? Uh-huh. Yep. 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 So there was something special happening. There was something that could, could have potential. And yeah, someone else's vision to see us reach Korowa. Yeah, love it. Cool. Well, we're going to leave that up for just a second. But um, a lot of the stuff we've talked about is fairly um, common for a lot of churches. They talk about... This is a bit wonky, but anyway. Uh, they talk about uh, a number of characteristics that make it work, church plants work. And the first is outwardness. Church plants often have a really clear sense that something um, is happening in Korowa or we want God to reach Korowa and there's this sense that um, churches are on mission in their community. Um, so churches, church plants are often really defined by outwardness. They're often more culturally aware. What do I mean by that? Well, um, a church in Sydney, for example, 
is going to be very different to a church in Wodonga, which is going to be very different to a church in Rutherglen, which is very different to a church in Korowa. And church plants are often pretty aware that if we want to engage people in Korowa, we need to be a Korowa church. And, and the gospel speaks to Korowa's culture in a way that's different to other cultures. For example, Korowa has a different set of employers, a different set of um, hobbies that people do. We're on a river. We're, we have a different geography. There's different farms. And all of these things add up that the gospel will speak to Korowa differently to somewhere else. And so church plants have to be aware of that. Not only that, but there's often this sense of hope and expectation. This sense that something is about to happen. The sense that um, if we lean into God, if we pray and if we reach out and if we're outward, if that happens, then something could happen. And it's exciting. There's this, 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 um, this potential that's yet to come. And finally, there's generally a radical generosity. Church plants are, um, as a whole find that people give more of their time, they give more energy, they give more of their resources and um, it's because of this vision, this something could happen, that they go, I could be a part of that. Um, church plans are often in hired halls. You said that um, it was in a hired hall, and that means that people need to lug the chairs, and need to lug the sound equipment, and there's extra work, and I'm sure some of you know all about that. And as a result, people catch the vision, and they go, well, we can do that. We can give. We can make it happen. And in fact, on our website, it talks about that in 1998, this church was opened. Um, this church is an incredible testimony that a few people saw that vision. They saw that God could do something and they provided the resources to make it happen, which is incredible. It was an incredible blessing. So thanks. We can switch from the, um, from the website and turn the lights back on. Thank you. But um, why aren't all churches like this? Why... why what happens? Well, because I'm, I'm sure that not all churches are like this, and, and the Baptist Union has done some studies and found that church plants as a whole find that they, they grow and they have this vision and there's this excitement, something could happen, and, and so they reach out into their community, and as a result, they, they, they grow and, and things do happen. But then over time, what was exciting and visionary and and, and, and remarkable becomes normal and over time it starts to become just the way things are and finally when when instead of being outward there's stuff happening in the church and it's it's just inward rather than us being outward we just focus on the inside rather than us knowing about Koroa we can just be our own bubble or rather than us having an expectation that something could happen there can be, oh, this is just the way things are. This is just what happens here. And finally, rather than, if we don't have a vision for radical generosity, if we don't have a vision that, if we, if we just partner with God and the Holy Spirit, something could happen. If we don't have that vision, there's no call for radical generosity. And when that happens, churches tend to find that they're on a slippery slope. But it doesn't have to be that way. Along the way, there's all these exit points. Um, a church that's pioneering doesn't have to plateau out if they keep going, you know what, we want to reach our community. We want to grow. We want to reach out. Or if they have plateaued, if they've, if they've started to, um, to settle into a norm, they can pioneer again and to step into something new and engage again. 
Now, some of you might be saying, I'm not from this church, I'm just visiting. Why are you telling me this? Like, I'm not even sure where I stand with God, let alone this whole church thing. Why are you telling me all this? But I'm sure that you've seen this in life. Right? A pioneering spirit makes a difference in life. Um, maybe you've seen um, someone start a new business. They're, they're entrepreneuring and they, they're starting something new and there's this sense that something could happen. Or maybe um, someone has an idea, a creative idea, and they want to see it through. They have this sense that something could happen and so they're giving a whole lot of their time and energy to make it happen. Or maybe um, someone starts a new role, say a teacher, and they have this sense that I could actually make a difference. God does big things with a pioneering spirit. He can do big things with a pioneering spirit. And a definition I found of a pioneering spirit that I found was helpful was a pioneering spirit is when we take ground that was once considered unreachable and we reach it with the kingdom of God. It's where we have this, this sense that there's, there's ground that we can't get to, we can't reach it, and yet a pioneering spirit goes, no, actually, we can reach it, and they take ground for the kingdom of God. That's a pioneering spirit. And if we lose that pioneering spirit, I wonder what big things God has for us that we might miss out on this side of eternity. My prayer is that we would be a church that never stops pioneering again. Over the last few weeks, Pastor David has been talking about resurrection, how um, Jesus coming alive again after, on Easter Sunday, this good news, how that makes a difference. It made a difference to the early church, and now it makes a difference in our lives. He was talking about how it sends us out, the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. And that Great Commission has come to us. And I think that's the perfect segue to go on to talking about the book of Acts. Because, you know, the book of Acts is a pioneering story. It's a revival story. The book of Acts is about God pioneering again and reviving the community of, of God, the people of God, into something that's alive again through His Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is full of pioneering stories, people stepping out in faith. You know... Um, when Jesus rose from the dead and he appears to his disciples in Acts 1.8, he says, but you're going to receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to receive power and you're going to go and be my witnesses. And he says, I'm going to send you to, to Jerusalem and then to Judea and then to Samaria and then to the ends of the earth, aka Koroa. So if that's the case though, these, these, these followers of Jesus took this message outward. At Pentecost, there was a few uneducated men. They were ordinary people, just like me, just like you. And they took this message out into the streets. And as a result, thousands of people came to faith. It was an outward message. It took them out. And as a result, God did big things. Not only that, but it was culturally aware. They spoke to Jerusalem and they showed how Jesus' resurrection changed us trying to have to follow the rules. And it was a new way of relating to God. But it wasn't just for the Jews. Because as the message goes out, it goes to Samaria, to the, to the, the back blocks, to the, um, the outsiders to God's ways. And when God sent this message out, it changed cultures. It spoke into communities. It didn't just go to Samaria, but in Acts 10, Peter pioneers this new message to Gentiles. 
He gets a vision and he, he's sent out by God to go to Cornelius. And, and he has this incredible revelation that whoever you are in Jesus, you can be accepted by God. This message is pioneered and sent out to the non-Jews. And not only that, it's a story of expectation, of optimism. I love that time and time again, it keeps talking about how people are amazed at everything that God was doing. Acts 2, 7, Acts 2, 12, Acts 4, 13, chapter 6, verse 8, chapter 9, 21. Again and again, they were amazed at what was happening. <laughs> I love that. In fact, there's a story of Philip who was an ordinary bloke. In fact, he was one of the people chosen to um, wait on tables. He was basically a waiter for, for like widows and old people, a pretty ordinary run-of-the-mill type job. But then the Holy Spirit comes on him and he's sent out into Samaria and he speaks the gospel to a Samaritan town. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 8, it says there was great joy in that city. The whole city was captured with this, this incredible good news and it was filled with great joy. The whole city. There's radical hope and radical expectation. But not only that, the early church modeled a radical generosity. They would sacrifice everything, even their own lives, because they saw what God could do and what God did do. And so when, we, when, when the early church saw the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it changed their heart and they were filled with the courage and the tenacity and the power and the capacity to go out and pioneer again. They did it through this spirit in them. And you know, if we um, are religious, i.e. if we think that if I am a good person, I follow all the rules, I'm, I try really hard, then God will bless me. If that's how we see our relationship with God, then all this talk of pioneering again is going to like, <laughs> do I have to? Like, just extra work? Because it's, if we're trying to, to justify ourselves and make ourselves right with God, we already feel like we're trying to pull it together. And this is just extra, right? This is just, oh my goodness. But if we've been changed by the gospel, if the gospel has changed our hearts, then I'm freely made right with God completely by gift. If Jesus gave everything for me, how can I not also give everything to him? Um, if, we're, if we're following religion, which is following the rules, then there's an expectation that God can only demand so much from me. I've given this, now I deserve something. God can only demand so much. But if I'm saved by sheer grace, by gift, if God did everything for me, then also I'm completely his and we're... <laughs> What, what else can we do but be completely sold out to this radical vision of God's mission? So Acts, this book of Acts is an incredible pioneer story, a revival story. This, this story of people taking new ground for the kingdom of God, stepping into the unreachable, the places where God's message, the message of that you can know God had never gone before, and yet they took that ground and reached it with the kingdom of God. It's an incredible story, the book of Acts. And yet, I think when Christians look at Acts, they tend to do one of two things. They tend to either say, well, this is a guidebook for exactly what we have to do. We just, if we could just get back to the book of Acts and do exactly what they were doing, then God would show up. Or, on the other hand, some people say, oh, that's just history. Like, that's just the way God did things back then. God doesn't do that anymore. 
Like he's just, um, that was just the early church's story, but that was then, this is now, it's just history. So which is it? Is it a guidebook or is it just history? Well, I think it's actually, the gospel shows us a third way. You know, the Coral Baptist story is not the Acts story. We're not the same as the book of Acts, surprise, surprise. We're not in the Bible, sorry. Um, but Coral Baptist story can still be a revival story. Just as the book of Acts was this revival story, you know, Romans 8.11 says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. The same spirit that sent the early church out lives in you. The same spirit that did incredible things, that pioneered new ministries, that sent them out, that engaged their cultures, that gave them this expectation, that enabled them to be radically generous. That same spirit lives in you. And so our story can be a revival story. We can pioneer again with the Holy Spirit. The question is, will we? We're called to pioneer again. Do we believe that God could still do big things in Korowa? Do we still believe that if, if we could step into the new things that God could have for us, we could see God move again? You know, 31 years ago, a group of people pioneered something in Korowa. They stepped out in faith. They took a risk, believing that, yes, we can reach out to our community. We can engage Korowa's culture. We can expect to see stuff happen, and the best is still ahead of us. We can be radically generous. The question is, will we pioneer again? Do we still believe that, and are we willing to do whatever it takes? Are we willing to give up the comfortable norms the way things are to reach Korowa? Are we willing, just like the book of Acts, to partner with God's Spirit and pioneer again? But you know, this is all talking about our church, um, and that's great. I think we do, as a church, need to pioneer again. But I think, as I was thinking about this, we, I think the challenge is also, are we willing in our own faith to pioneer again? I was challenged recently that... Um, uh, I can get into comfortable norms of how I relate to God. I was thinking, sure, I pray a little bit. Sure, I read the Bible a little bit. Sure, sometimes I think that God's with me. But I was reading um, in Revelation, the letters to the churches in Revelation, and um, God is speaking to this church, one of the Acts churches, saying, I know the things that you do. I know everything that you do, that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. And I was like, man, whoa. <laughs> like, like, we can be doing all this stuff. This was an Acts church. This was one of the churches that was reaching out that God was bringing revival through. And he's saying, no, no, you're dead. <laughs> you, you are not pursuing me. Or then, then in Revelation 2, um, God is speaking to the church in Ephesus and he says, I know all the things you do. I know how many good things you're doing, and yet I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other like you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the things you did at first. Do the things you did at first. Do the things you did at first. Church, the challenge is in our faith, are we willing 
to pioneer again, to go, I am going to relate to God. I'm going to push aside the ways that I've always thought I could talk to God, the patterns that I had of just praying a little bit here or just reading the Bible a bit here or just thinking that God's with me here. No, I'm going to pioneer again. I'm going to step into a new relationship and go deeper than I've ever gone before and believe that I can. Are we willing to do that in our own faith? Are we willing to do that as a church, to believe that we can reach our community? Are we willing to do that in Korowa? It's my prayer that we would be a church that never stops pioneering again in how we relate to God, in how we relate to our community, and how we relate to each other. And I believe that when we do that, the best is still yet to come. So let's pray. God, I realize that so often in my relationship with you, I don't pioneer again. But I want to, God. And I pray that we would. I pray, Lord, that we would put aside the the patterns, the norms that we've always had, the ways that we always thought that's just the way things are. And God, that we would realize that there is more, that the best is yet to come and that we can pioneer again. God, I pray for us as a church, God, that we wouldn't stay where we are, but Lord, we would step into whatever you have in store for us, whatever new thing it is. God, would you give us the courage and the tenacity and the boldness to to take hold of that. But Lord, we know that we can't do it by trying harder. The rules won't fix it for us. Only if we trust you and realize that by your spirit in us, that you do immeasurably more than all we ask or all we think or all we imagine. God, would you do that in us through your Holy Spirit? And we commit it to you. God, we trust that there is more to come. And we thank you, God, that you are still at work in Korowa, that you have not finished yet. And we pray and we leave all this in in your hands at the foot of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.